Welcome to the Go After Your Passion podcast with Christina Crowley. Live a life you love. If not now, when? Here's Christina. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Uh, this morning I have with me John Curry. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm, I'm happy to and I'm excited. We got a, we're going to have a great conversation today. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, so real quick overview. I uh, grew up on a horse farm when I was a kid. Uh, had a normal horse farm upbringing and uh, uh, went to high school and whatnot. Uh, ended up uh, going to college, joined the Marine Corps, uh, became a Marine Corps aviator and flew AH-1 whiskeys. I did that for about 23 years and um, greatly enjoyed it. Had uh, a tremendous experience there. Uh, just kind of ran the gamut of human experience. Um, retired from the Marine Corps out of the Pentagon in 2014. And uh, I went to work for a bank for about a year. Don't recommend <laughs> that. But uh, it was nevertheless a, a very good experience in retrospect. I got to go back to Headquarters Marine Corps Aviation as a civilian, what we call a graybeard there, the Headquarters Marine Corps Aviation, and um, was able to be the uh, civilian counterpart uh, in to the uniform folks. It's kind of the continuity, the people that make up, I guess you'd say the backbone of Headquarters Marine Corps Aviation and got to, gosh, experience all sorts of things from, you know, writing testimony to Congress to, you know, handling very large budgets. And uh, it, gosh, I got to hang out with Marines every day and, and it was just a blast. And, uh, but then I got a opportunity thrown into my lap to uh, go forward to uh, overseas again uh, with the State Department. And so I do uh, spend most of the year uh, overseas and uh, uh, still in aviation, doing things very similar to what I did when I was in the Marine Corps. And um, I really do enjoy it very much. I hate being away from home. Um, and in our spare time, <laughs> my wife Stacy and I uh, started a company uh, called Semper Savage, which, which makes uh, all natural homemade um, salad dressings and marinades, uh, which we put into a bottle and we're offering for sale and we're working on, on growing and really building that business. Uh, we're super passionate about not only uh, the food side of the business and, and building that business, but really excited about the opportunity it is giving us uh, to engage with uh, the veteran first responder communities and their families. We're highly focused on family life. Um, and we, it has opened up a lot of opportunities for us to serve others. That's, that's amazing. And, and like many people, you are a multi-passionate person yes. and it's taken many facets in your life. Yeah. And what is, what is the catalyst? Of, you know, I mean, obviously you were raised on the horse ranch and, sure. and, you know, so that was kind of part of who you grew up as being. And, um, you know, the military just probably seemed natural to you, but what was the catalyst for, um, you say your military career, what, you know, yeah. you went to college, what, you know, a lot of people who go to college don't go into the military. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, so it's kind of, it's a funny, long story. And there's actually some interesting things that happen. So when, when I was growing up, I, I kind of had a list, you know, one through 10 of the cool things I wanted to be or do in my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, being a Marine was on them, being a on that list, being a pilot was on that list. 
um, I sort of fell into things based on what I was good at, what I was talented at, and what I was being successful at. And uh, believe it or not, I, w- I worked as a professional musician for a couple years, uh, about four years, actually. And so I'm a, I'm a guitarist and a violinist and some other instruments that I mess around with. Well, that was super passionate. I was super passionate about music really ever since I was a kid, but I didn't get really serious about it until I was about 18 or so and, and started really, really studying hard. Anyway, just kind of fell into some opportunities uh, to play with some musicians and um, had a great time doing that. But I quickly realized, you know, within about three or three years, certainly four years that I, I really didn't want to work the rest of my life for whatever I was making, $40, $50 a day or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And I worked really hard. And while I did enjoy it, the the margins were just too thin for me to do one of the other things I was passionate about, even at that young age, which was having a family. So in order to have a family, you know, I kind of looked to my left and right and saw these guys that were 40 years old making the same money I was. And I was like, oh, geez, despite the fact that these guys are really talented and very good at their craft, they've not been successful for whatever reason. And I realized that it was just a little more of a gamble, you know, than I wanted to do. So I actually looked at the next cool thing that I wanted to do. Okay, well, musician, that's not very financially viable. I kind of marked that off the list, went to the next thing. What do I want to do? Uh, And I decided, well, I would love to be a Marine pilot. Just like, you know, in that old show, Baba Black Sheep, uh, I watched when I was a kid, I was like, man, I could do something like that. And I actually had a friend who was doing it, a guy named Sean O'Mahony. He was a good friend from high school who was already uh, uh, about to enter flight school at the time. So he'd already, already been in the Marine Corps a couple of years. Called him up on the phone. He sort of mentor, mentored me through what I needed to do. And that's what led to me going back to college. I'd gone to college for a couple of years and not done very well because I didn't have a focus. Uh, decided to go back to college and Boy, I was hyper-focused on becoming a Marine Corps officer and becoming a Marine Corps pilot, and uh, it served me well. The discipline that I learned um, studying music very seriously served me very well throughout the rest of my career. Uh, I, I, like with any super technical discipline like mathematics or engineering, um, you, you really have to have a disciplined approach to it, and uh, I learned how to learn when I was studying music. And so when I went to college, I'm not going to say it was easy because I worked really hard, but did very well in college and, and took those same uh, ideas and principles forward with me. So I went to college as a means to getting to the end of being a Marine Corps officer and a pilot. So I was super focused on that end goal, uh, which I think is absolutely important to have a goal. I think otherwise we kind of aimlessly, aimlessly go through life wondering what direction it is we're going but I had that goal. Uh, I achieved it sort of to my surprise. <laughs> I was, you know, uh, it was, it was a very, very competitive thing to get into. Um, there's, there's fewer people, uh, as Marine Corps pilots. This, I was told this, I don't actually know it, but it kind of makes sense yeah. that, uh, at least at the time there were fewer Marine Corps pilots than there were people in the playing in the NFL. <laughs> so that kind of, kind of gives a, a, just a little bit of a, idea of how hard the the cut points are it, that you know if you if you fail the physical um you know the physical fitness 
uh, exam or something, or I should say not fail, but if you don't do as well as some of the others, uh, you know, you might fall out there in school with your grades. You know, technically the, the program says that you have to maintain a 2.0 GPA, but if, if you don't have at least like a 3.5, you're, you're not even gonna get looked at. So it was very competitive to get into the program, hyper competitive to remain in the program, uh, tough, um, tough couple years. Uh, anyway, but that was my passion and my focus uh, for many, many years uh, to not only become a Marine Corps pilot, but it's a very long process, like I, like I kind of told you. Uh, took about three years before I ever got my wings, and then I had another four or so years of very intensive work uh, in the fleet squadron before I kind of had all the qualifications to do everything on the battlefield I needed to do. Uh, so I just remain really, really focused on doing that for, gosh, uh, you know, 10, 12 years. Um, so anyway, uh, that was my initial focus. And uh, about, I guess it was around 2006, I had the opportunity to kind of get out of the active flying and deploying bit and go into acquisitions in the platform that I was flying, the H1 Whiskey went into acquisitions and rediscovered having a family. Uh, and when we arrived at that duty station, I had been gone for over 50% of my children's lives. Um, and we can track that because we have something called a purse tempo, a, a personnel tempo. And I could actually look and see the number of days I had been gone and how old my kids were. And I was like, oh my God, I've been gone more than half their lives. So I rediscovered having a family. Uh, became very focused on on that and man I got to do I coached every conceivable sport I coached in some capacity I coached everything from soccer to baseball to football I actually was a head coach of hockey for for um, many years uh, which a, a sport I'm very passionate about um, at any rate so yeah multiple passions that I kind of fell into based on where the path of life was was taking me and I, I've often told my kids and they don't like to hear it. They'll go, dad, I'm bored. And I go, what are you talking about? I've never been bored in my life. I've never, yeah. I have no idea what you were talking about because my brother and I growing up on the farm could always find something to do that was fun or at least well, fun to us. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. Well, you make Maybe, your own fun, don't you? Uh, yeah, you kind of do. Hey, let's go out and dig a hole, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, little boys yeah. just just doing things, but no kidding. Ever since I was a little kid, I just always was able to find something that I found to be engaging, and uh, so I don't relate well when the kids say, "Oh, I'm bored." Uh, I've always been able to find a passion, and along the way, I've 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 um, I've engaged in many. Like I said, from yeah. from being a musician to being a Marine Corps officer to being a pilot to being a family man to being a a coach. Um, it really sounds like you've listened to to your inner voice. There's something in you that kind of uh, listens to your intuition. I don't know what you would call it. And you kind of had, uh, you know, a kind of a little bit of a bucket list to go by to start with, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, I also, uh, as, as you I'm sure can relate to, growing up on a farm in a rural area, mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> my brother and I, um, we found fun and enjoyment and entertainment 
in a lot of weird things like bringing in firewood or uh-huh. throwing hay. We call it, you yeah. know, throwing hay. Uh, yeah. You know, doing, doing hay. We would have a lot of fun along the way, even just, you know, building a barn uh, together. Um, we, we found a lot of fun along the way. And so I, I, I continue to take a tremendous amount of enjoyment away from a lot of just like outdoor physical activity um, like that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I have a great time doing this. You're kidding me. You know, you just chopped wood for eight hours. You know, how's that fun? I'm like, I don't know. It just is. Well, it does. It, it's, you know, extra, it's kind of in a way it could be considered exercise, which releases endorphins in your brain. And that feels good. Yeah. Uh, oh, best shape I was ever in my life after I was retired. We had a small farm in New Hampshire and uh, I brought in about eight cords of wood over mm-hmm. one summer. Best mm-hmm. shape I've ever been in my life. I never lifted a weight. I never ran. <laughs> All I did was bring in wood, chop down trees and uh, then split it um, and stack it probably the best shape I've ever been in my life. So yeah, absolutely. Would you say that listening to your intuition, following your passion, where it had led you, uh, that it was a challenge yet it was rewarding? Uh, Absolutely, I would say that. And and part of the challenge is of course, achieving the goal, right? Because if you have a passion that you want to do this thing or you want to accomplish this thing, uh, but sometimes you meet resistance along the path to that. And I've spoken about this before in other forums. Um, and I can't remember what the question was that led me down the road, but um, sometimes you've got like an inner ring of, of uh, people who can stop you from doing things or who can encourage you. So I would say that first it's your family. And if your family is not on board, they can kind of crush your dreams, right? Yes. And then you've got your friends kind of on the outside of that where if they're not real supportive or if they, they say, what are you doing? That's idiotic or, or that's, uh, you, you know, that's stupid or, or something. They can kind of crush your dreams and they're in a position to when something is burgeoning um, to make you stop pursuing uh, whatever that thing is you might be passionate about. And then of course there's the fear of failure, you know, perhaps in some public fashion trying to having to, I'm sorry, admit that, Oh, my comp- my family is really supportive. My friends are really supportive, but the company or or whatever failed because the public was not maybe receptive, or maybe you just didn't do things right, and the you know huh. the public wasn't receptive. But anyway, along the way, I, I was going to say there's there's I think a lot of resist can be a lot of resistance or support. That's part of the challenge. Yeah, you know, yeah. is to overcome that. Resistance is a real part of of anybody's success, of anybody's plans. Of I know Stephen Pressfield wrote a whole book on, and, and it, well, a good portion of his book was about overcoming that resistance and that being a, you know, a part of it. But it sounds like through what you did, it built up in you, whether it be the, um, you know, the known or the unknown knowledge that you need to push through that. Yeah, I think there was a tremendous amount of uh, self-confidence that I actually lost, kind of lost for a little while, but regained um, self-confidence that I think comes from a little bit of personality. I mean, let's face it, a lot of it's just nature that you pop out of the womb with, right? It's just a personality type, but um, a self-confidence that was kind of born out out of my upbringing, out of a lot of independence, 
um, being able to achieve or fail (laughs) based on, you know, what I did. And um, a lot of it just surrounding like barn work and stuff, but a lot of independence. And I gained a lot of self-confidence from that. Just being able to, you know, get on my pony and go 10, 15 miles away from my house course in those days without cell phones or anything my mom had mm-hmm. no idea where we were yeah yeah uh, <laughs> you know, we we're just out in the woods uh-huh. and uh you know we would come home come home later you know hey where'd you go <laughs> we went out in the woods that um that a person needs to have uh in order to overcome those challenges and sometimes the resistance meets or overcomes your own self-conscious, not self-confidence, uh, not hubris. That, that's a different, you know, thing. I'm just talking about some, some humble um, confidence in yourself that what you were thinking about, what you're wanting to achieve is, is viable or is uh, reasonable and uh, would bring a certain amount of joy uh, uh, to your own life and hopefully for some of those uh, around you. Well, our company Semper Savage that Stacy and I yeah. started together is a great example of something where it started as my passion and and goal, uh, but Stacy quickly latched onto it and was like, man, this is something that I, I'm super passionate about too from a different angle. But nevertheless, Uh, super passionate about and she works very hard to we work very hard together uh, to try to uh, move this thing forward so it's always nice to have a partner particularly a spouse Mm -hmm. yeah like you know when I'm kind of down about it she's up about it and like come on let's go and when I'm when she's a little down about it I'm up and I'm like it's almost like having a workout partner uh, yeah, because being a business for yourself isn't easy, and yeah. you do need somebody who matches you, who can, yeah. you know, pick you up and help pull you along when you're like, wait, how and why? That's yeah. totally understandable. So, uh, Semper Savage, tell us about that. I mean, the Semper, I mean, that has a military ring to it, and of course, sure. that's your background, and yeah. I've tried the products and love them, and so tell us, tell us more. Yeah, so just I'll start with the name uh, because you mentioned it. Uh, mm-hmm. Semper Savage is the name of the company. The name Semper is a is part of the Marine Corps uh, theme. Semper Fidelis, you know, always faithful. Uh, Savage, actually, that word came from uh, the call sign that my squadron used when we were in Afghanistan in 2004, five time frame, and uh, it was a very important deployment for me um, in for a lot of different reasons. Very, very memorable. Um, and I mean, I still remember Savage 65, Savage 66, or Savage uh, 6364 is what um, my flight would go out as. And um, it just so happened that Savage was very descriptive of the products. It was descriptive, descriptive of the flavors. You know, it's a, it's a Savage flavor. It's very, it's certainly not a passive flavor that you get with our current, current two products. Anyway, but that's where the name comes from. It, it really wasn't an attempt to sound cool or anything like that. It was just, it was just a thing that uh, we put together and I sort of wrote down the things that were important to me from my, my background. And that's how we came up with Semper Savage. But uh, I think it's worked pretty well uh, so far. I guess it is a fairly intriguing name, but Stacy and I, 
so the story behind why in the world would you start a salad dressing company? Yeah. We didn't start a salad dressing company because that was, we thought that was uh, just the thing I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> right? Wasn't on your list? It was not <laughs> on my list. But the way that it happened is kind of funny and interesting. Um, when I was about in middle school age, somewhere around in there, I started eating a lot of salad. And the reason that I did was because there was two or three mom and pop restaurants that my family used to go eat at occasionally. And they had this great homemade salad dressing and it tasted amazing. And I would eat this stuff and I'd go, oh my God, it's the best thing I've ever put in my mouth. And I would start trying to replicate it. And so I would eat salad at home as well because I liked it and I ate a lot of salad. And I still do to this day, I eat it like crazy uh, because I enjoy it. That's why I'm really not trying to be healthy or anything like that. <laughs> I just happen to yeah. like it. Lucky you. <laughs> yeah. So I was always trying to find something on the shelf of a grocery store that matched up with what I was getting in those restaurants, right? But it's homemade mom and pop Italian restaurant, right? Yeah. Nothing even came close. And I got frustrated. And so I started trying to make my own probably, I, I would say maybe late 80s. I started trying to make my own. And of course, I had really no culinary background. I had worked at a small mom and pop Italian restaurant uh, where I learned that I learned the principles of making great food. Hey, you need a great recipe. You need the finest ingredients. You put it together properly. Boom. Great food. Um, it's not rocket scientist or it's not rocket science. Um, at any rate, I just started experimenting. And along the way, I learned things that tasted better and things that tasted worse. And I made some horrible concoctions. And uh, sometimes it just had to go, you know, out the window. But over the years, over the, gosh, over really probably, probably close to two decades, um, in 2009, I finally semi-accidentally experimented my way into this, this formula where I, I was like, voila. You know, and of course, along the way, I'm learning these little things like, hey, you got to use extra virgin olive oil. Yeah. I don't want to put too much sage in it because the sage just tastes awful when it gets to be too much. Um, you know, hey, here's my ratio between, you know, between vinegar and oil. Hey, if I want that little bite, you know, maybe I want to put a little more pepper in it. Yeah. So uh, I had made some decent stuff for a while, but all of a sudden I hit on this formula and I'm like, Eureka, that's it. Uh -huh. And um, found the formula. So started using it with, uh, the family started using it with friends when they would come over and, and everybody was, would comment and say, wow, this is some amazing stuff. Where did you get this? Oh, well, we made it in our own kitchen. And um, so started to get encouraged to put it in a bottle. Hey, you guys need to market this stuff because it is, I'm telling you, really good. And we would get that from friend after friend after friend who would come visit. And uh, so we became really confident that we had a good recipe, that it wasn't just us, right? That, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Like, you know, that this wasn't something where we were the only ones who, who liked it. And uh, over the years, uh, just continued to sort of refine, uh, but didn't really think that getting into the food business was a risk I wanted to take. I didn't want to make a huge investment of, you know, I, I had in my mind this idea, seventy to a hundred thousand dollars to get going, which, in the end, is probably pretty accurate. 
And it's a lot. It's understandable that, yeah. you know, a food business is hard and there's a lot of rules. Well, that's that's true. We were able to, I won't say get around those. We were able to get those handled without us yeah. having to deal with it. Yeah. Um, by finding a, a, a packer who follows the rules for us yep, you know, yep. as they put it in a bottle. Mm -hmm. But uh, so a couple of funny things happened where uh, one, our oldest daughter was away at school. She missed having the salad dressing, just like I couldn't find anything on the shelf. She couldn't find anything on the shelf. Yeah. She, she wanted some more. And, and uh, uh, my wife, Stacy would take some to her. She worked at the university, still does work at the university. Uh, she would take some to her and they would exchange like an empty jar for a full jar. And that worked for a little while. Well, uh, one Christmas, I don't know, it was like 2017 or something. Um, Stacy and, uh, and Rachel, our older, oldest girl, um, got a case full of these. And I'm going to show you on the camera just for oh, your own. Yeah. So she got me a case of these Mason jars. <laughs> she made that label right there, which is yeah. a, a, me and a Roman centurion helmet which is where savage centurion the name of the product comes from uh, and it says john curry's world famous world famous dressing is what it says and so there was a case of them empty with a note on top that said merry christmas fill these up with salad dressing and we all kind of had a laugh but it sort of inspired us because we saw the bottle with a label on it and uh we were like, oh, wow, I wonder if it kind of got the wheels turning, right? Yeah. So yeah. close, temporarily, uh, close in time, it was within weeks or a couple months, I was working at Headquarters Marine Corps in the Pentagon. A friend of mine who I'd worked with for a couple of years named Mac Talbert walks in uh, to our, uh, our cubicle area and somebody asked him about his uh, barbecue sauce business. And he starts going off about how, yeah, we're doing really well and we're growing. We've got, you know, 20 stores or whatever it is that we're in. And I was like, Mac, I never knew you did that. And he goes, yeah, you know, I got that. And I got a catering business too. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, never, never knew. And uh, so I said, well, I've got the salad dressing. What, what can you tell me about putting it into a bottle? Like you did your, your, um, your sauce. Sure enough, he was able to mentor uh, us through getting it in a bottle. And uh, since then, we're still involved with uh, Smoke and Shine Barbecue, uh, as well as Smoked Virginia, which is another company still in the barbecue uh, business. But uh, that, that Mac uh, runs, that he owns. And so we developed that relationship there. But those were two very important events that pushed us toward going ahead and starting a company, putting a product in a bottle. The vision was always to put the homemade salad dressing into a bottle, and that's still what we call it, uh, salad dressing and marinade, because we probably 90% of the usage is actually for marinades. Um, because, why? Because it rocks! That's why. It is, it's wonderful. <laughs> I tried it, and, you know, and I got it by mail, and when it was coming to me by mail, I was like crossing my fingers saying, oh, please arrive. It arrived intact. It was really, really well packed, yeah. um, and, and as I pulled it apart and I tried it on my dressings, I was like, well, first of all, I, I told your wife that I was afraid, and I didn't want to say anything before it got here, because I'm, I'm allergic to a lot of things. I have, right. oh my gosh, I have allergies, and I read the bottle, I'm like, yay, I can have it. There's no lemon in it you know, yeah. the typical thing that's put into food. 
And yeah. it's delicious. It's wonderful. And I put the balsamic on my strawberries because I love balsamic and strawberries. Oh, what a goes, great combo. It yeah. goes really well. And wow. you can lighten the dressing with just a touch of water or you can have oh. it nice and thick, which of course I love it because it's all that flavor. Yes. And it's wonderful. And, and I think you make a great point in that finding a kitchen to do it for you. I, yeah. I had never heard of that until I had a friend who started his own food business quite like you. Right. It's, you know, that's quite inspiring and it's delicious. Well, we are very glad that you like it. And yeah. uh, uh, that your experience, honestly, not blowing smoke up my own rear is, is the uniform response that we get from customers and folks that have tried it. They love it. Uh, in fact, we've had a couple of comments from folks who have said, now that I've tried this, I can never go back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to like you, you talked about a lot of the ingredients and things that are in mm -hmm. salad dressings and marinades that are mm -hmm. on the shelf. Now, a lot of that is because it's so commoditized yeah. that they've had to, it's almost a race for the bottom in terms of how cheap can we get our ingredients and have people actually still buy the product. Uh -huh. um, and unfortunately, everybody is doing that. And so yeah. consumers don't have very much choice. And so our product does not have a peer on store shelves. Um, we actually developed our business model uh, for several reasons, but one of the reasons was the whole commoditization bit that's going on in grocery stores. We, we, we knew we weren't going to be able to really compete there. We weren't going to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Kraft or, yeah. or Paul Newman, or which actually Paul Newman's got some pretty good products, but uh, we weren't going to be able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them because our ingredients are so pure uh, that it costs more to produce and our production costs are higher than many uh, retail costs of some of those cheaper uh, salad dressings and marinades. Um, so we went with this online model and we just said, you know what, we're going to, we're going to completely circumvent uh, the normal, uh, the normal market and we're going to go direct to consumer and we're going to engage the consumer um, personally and authentically, uh, which is why we do things like this podcast. We do a lot of live videos where yeah. our family's personality comes out and um particularly stacy who's very engaging on uh on camera and just spoken word of course she's been a teacher her whole life she's very good at at conveying information but uh, just engaging customers in a very different way with a completely different product that is like we've like we say homemade salad dressing in a bottle and a lot of folks are saying they can't go back after having had the real deal so to speak yeah um and, you know, Stacy is always experimenting in the kitchen with new stuff. So mm -hmm. we've got two products that we launched. Uh, 2018, we started the company. A lot of hard work for about a year before we actually launched two products in November of uh, 2019 on Veterans Day, November 11th. So we're still less than a year in. Um, but we've got uh, four products that are ready to go, two of which have actually been to the lab to be tested and um, and have all the nutrition labels and everything. Yeah. So we'll be able to launch a couple more, hopefully pretty, pretty soon. And people have even more, more choice, uh, in the homemade salad dressing and marinade space. And so where, where will people find, I mean, we've been talking a lot about it, where people find this, the direct well, to consumer part. Right. We have a website, which is sempersavage.com and that's where the sales happen. Um, and I think we've got our website 
one of our lessons learned from the business is you either got to absolutely know what you want and what you need first, because we've now built three websites. <laughs> got, it got a little bit expensive, but we think we finally got the website where, where we need it for the consumers to have a good experience. And we're always tweaking it. Uh, but uh, www.sempersavage.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we've got a Google My Business page, um, or at least we should very soon um, have a Google My Business page. It's in the works. Um, so if you Google Semper Savage, you're going to find us in about 10 different places. Very easy to navigate to, to the buy button. Very easy to find out a little more information about the product uh, if you would like. And um, we have a whole recipe page on the website. We're always sharing stuff on Facebook with how we're utilizing the products, how our customers are utilizing the products uh, for cooking all kinds of food. Uh, we use it as a marinade for meat. We use it as a, a sauteing sauce for various veggies. We just obviously use it on, on salads and things. And then we have customers, like you mentioned, putting balsamic on yeah. strawberries, things we never would have thought about. We have another customer tell us that she sliced up peaches and did the same uh -huh. thing, very yeah. similar non-intuitive uh, thing that we would never have thought of. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, that's where you can find us, Semper Savage. Um, just Google us and, and you're going to find us, or if you want to go direct to the website, SemperSavage.com, and you can order uh, either a two-pack or a four-pack. And the reason we sell it that way is because of shipping costs. So it comes in a glass bottle. Yeah. It's pure extra virgin olive oil with vinegars and spices and things, but uh, it's heavy and mm -hmm. it costs mm -hmm. the same to ship one bottle as it does to ship like 2.75 bottles, right? Yeah. So we decided to just help the customer a little bit. So shipping is free. We handle the shipping within the price uh -huh. and the Battle Buddy two pack, that kind of gets you the best value for getting a smaller amount. And then the fire team four pack, which you can pick and choose um, which one you want, which ones you want. Uh, but that's the kind of the next sweet spot for shipping. And we, we just didn't want people to have to deal with it and try to figure that out for themselves. Yeah. Um, uh, it's it, the reason we package it that way really comes down to expenses in, in shipping and trying to maximize value for the customer. And I think it coming in a glass bottle for me, I think the thing you don't have to worry about is it, you know, I, I coming into Denver, the mail, it, I've gotten boxes kicked in before. I mean, just <laughs> rough handling. And it arrived intact, totally yeah. solid. It was, it was packed wonderfully. And uh, so for me, I mean, it got there and it's, it's delicious and it's wonderful. And, uh, and so what, where, where do you see this going? Are you just going to build the business and kind of keep the model as it is or how, where, what, What's your pie in the sky? Uh, pie in the sky is to be the black rifle coffee of salad dressing and marinade. So uh, that's the pie in the sky uh, goal for the business. Um, obviously we're a long way from that, but our product is, uh, we, we do believe in the product tremendously. We're engaging as much help uh, as we can from people who are smart and connected, uh, particularly in the military uh, veteran uh, business, veteran owned business world. Um, and it's been very helpful so far. Uh, so obviously I've got some milestones put in the ground, you know, first, I just want to become a profitable entity. Um, you know, get out of the, get out of the 
sort of startup phase and, mm -hmm. and get into a long-term profitable uh, yeah. phase. And then the next uh, will be to just to continue to expand the product line uh, we want to get into. Obviously, we want to expand the salad dressing and marinade line. Probably over the next year or two, we probably want to introduce six to eight new products in that line, but we also want to introduce um, rubs um, for, for meat. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to introduce um, possibly even some, some dry good salad dressing and marinade. So like instead of buying it completely made, you buy a, a package full of herbs and, and then people can mix it up themselves at home. Yeah. Really saves a lot in terms of shipping, saves a lot, uh, obviously for us in terms of expense, but you could buy something probably for, you know, two, three bucks, take it home and, and have the ability to make two or three different types of salad dressing or marinade from that one packet, depending on the other ingredients you put in it. Uh, at any rate, definitely want to uh, get into the dry goods uh, side of things um, just because we think we've got a lot to offer there. In fact, our oldest daughter, Rachel, we're thinking of calling it, uh, thinking of calling it Ray's Rubs because uh -huh. uh, we call her Ray Ray or Ray uh, or Rach. Uh, she's got a, a recipe that we're already trying to figure out. You know, it's something, one of those things where a little bit of this, a little bit of that, yeah. a little bit of the other thing. And we're like, hey, let's, uh, let's uh, get this thing scientifically measured out. Mm -hmm. She's mm -hmm. been trying to do that for us. Uh, but yeah, that's where we'd like to expand that product line. But we never want to get too far away from our hedgehog, which, you know, that uh, when, when we roll up into a ball and are just doing the critical uh, things, uh, we, we want to be we don't ever want to get too far away from that. You know, I, I wouldn't want to get into television repair or yeah, yeah. Know, I, don't, I don't want to start manufacturing lemonade or something. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want it to stay close, but yeah, the long-term goal is to build a, a highly profitable company um, to hopefully within the next couple of years, make it so I don't have to deploy to nasty mm -hmm. places. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, be able to replace uh, that income uh, allow us to focus full time mm -hmm. on Semper Savage and engaging and being ambassadors, and then have mm -hmm. you know in the in the back have the rest of the team you know producing products and mm -hmm. you know helping to market products and and we want to engage the veteran community yeah. uh, as well, particularly families. Uh, you know we uh, continue to have to deal with the difficulties of of deployment and some of those challenges uh -huh. um, and the challenges that Stacy faces at home, not so much with the kids anymore because the kids are older, but just the challenges that she faces at, at home. Uh, we're very sympathetic to military spouses, those who are left, yeah. uh, you know, you know, behind when, when, when the, the service members go forward. So we're concentrating a little more on that, but we definitely want to engage there. And I think that's where we see, a lot of resources going in the future is just engaging and helping and hopefully hiring uh, veterans as the company grows. Uh, we try to keep it, all the services that we engage, we try to keep that as much as we can, veteran owned and veteran spouse owned uh, companies, whether it's fulfillment companies or bottling companies or, uh, you know, uh, marketing companies, whatever the case may be, uh, we're trying to support veterans. Yeah. 
I think people like me, um, I've, I've had veterans in my family, you know, my dad and my brother, and, and I don't live that far from, you know, two military bases. Sure. And uh, so I think we want to support military families. I think you're a great example of somebody from the military who was active, who has made that transition yeah. and is making that transition from military to civilian life. I, right. And I find, I know it's a whole different conversation, but sure. uh, there is that, you know, that difficulty of people who ban military going yeah. back to civilian life. And I think, I think it's a real honorable uh, thing to do to, to help with that, to have that in part of your process. Well, and I appreciate it. Uh, and so you can, you know, having no, had some family members that are veterans, you may be able to appreciate some of the challenges. And I think a, a lot of folks from the outside looking in, uh, kind of look at veterans as I really think this they they sort of look at veterans as damaged goods or you, you know something where all oh, they're they're coming out of being in the military and now we have to help them become like us no that is not the problem the the problem is that when most veterans come out of the service they have expectations for people and they expect your yes to be your yes or your no to be yeah. your no okay. and they expect honesty and integrity and in everything you do they expect other people to produce a great product without being supervised. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think that veterans have a, an inherent trust and implicit relationship with each other, regardless of service. Uh, you know, personally, I've worked with all of them, and I can tell you that some of the best people I've ever met are in every one of the services. Uh, but now we make fun of each other. Of course. But, <laughs> I mean, we, you know, we do. Yeah. Uh, we make fun of each other, but I, I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, as much crap as I might give an Air Force guy for being an Air Force guy, mm -hmm. when it comes to doing their jobs, Air Force people in general are probably the best trained, most competent, uh, no, competent, not competent, but just competent uh, people I've ever met. Never had an instance where I thought somebody was unprofessional or was not good at their job. Yeah. Um, and veterans come out expecting this of other people. And, uh, which is one of the reasons that I want to hire veterans. A buddy yeah, of mine years yeah. ago, we were talking on the phone and sort of lamenting the civilian world and some of the shortcomings of the, of the civilian world. Uh, and I said, man, we should just have a company that is founded by Marines and we won't hire anybody except Marines. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, you know, yeah it, would, it would be great. Yeah. It, it doesn't always, you know, necessarily, <laughs> isn't something that is necessarily that, that practical but the 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 principle i think is there is that you you have people who have certain expectations of themselves and others they hold each other and themselves accountable when they're working yeah. and um, they produce a great product they're never going to let each other down and um, mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of veterans carry that into civilian Absolutely. life and i think more yeah. than anything that's the disconnect with the civilian world which is let's face it not particularly um honest, uh, not always working with integrity, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, and you bring that discipline and that goodness to your business right now. And I so wish you the best of luck with that. And I'm going to put all those links on to the website to, for people who are listening to this, to be able to find them. And I thank you so much for the conversation today. I do too. Thank you for let, for bringing me on and for uh, 
uh, having some uh, great questions and some great conversation. And thanks for making a great product. Thank you for uh, trying it and for uh, getting out the good word. Of course. Thanks for listening to Christina. Now, go after your passion.